There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. An Erios production. Menopause is coming and the men have all left town. But I'm not giving up until I see that baby crown. Could be balding, bearded, shorter, tall, funny, smart, love basketball, gay, straight, black, white, tiny eyes with an underbite. I just need sperm. Sperm cast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Sperm Cast. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we're going to be talking about breast milk, breastfeeding, and pumping. Not so much about breastfeeding, actually, mostly pumping. But before we get into that, I want to remind you all about ways you can help support the show. There are two ways to keep this show alive, money and growing the audience. If money is your thing, you can join the Patreon and be a patron of Spermcast, literally employing me to make this show for you. And with the Patreon subscription, you get lots of bonus content. Lately, that's mostly, you know, just me writing long emotional updates, but you know, there have been some pictures in there, and I'll get back to making videos and posting audio soon. Go to patreon.com forward slash spermcast. Another way to support the show with your dollars is through Venmo. You can just send money via Venmo to molly-hockey. Now, if you want to support the show by helping to grow the audience, that's super important too. Actually, I think more important than ever because I would love for this show to be a resource for anyone experiencing loss through miscarriage, stillbirth, terminations for medical reasons, or terminations for other painful reasons. Not that I'm an expert in any of this stuff, I'm just learning about it as I go through it, but I do know for sure that I want to help people feel less alone and change the conversation around reproduction so that when the worst happens, people are met with support and understanding. But if people don't know this show exists, then it's not going to be a very good resource for them. So to help grow the audience, you can do a few things. Maybe the best thing to do is to tell a friend. You can text them, you can email them, you can tell them on the phone. Oh yeah, you can use the phone. Anyway, after that, you can share the episode on social media. I usually post something on Instagram once a week, so you can just repost that. Or you can tweet about it. Ooh, how about that one? And of course, you can rate the show on Apple Podcasts, and you can review the show on Apple Podcasts. Now, speaking of reviews, I found a pretty cruel one last week, attacking me and my choices and the way in which I'm processing my grief. And I don't usually talk about bad reviews on the show because I don't want to bring attention to them, but... I feel the urge to say how much it hurt. Go ahead and give the show a one-star review if you want. Talk shit about my production value or how annoying my voice is, but to bash a grieving mother going through the worst experience of her life. Did she know how painful it would be for me to read that? How it would bring me back to the gut-wrenching moment when I first got the news and had to make that decision? Did she know it would flood me with doubt, make me want to be silent about it? for fear others would judge me the way that she had? Probably. Yeah, that's probably exactly what she wanted, for me to be silent. Well, joke's on her because she's inspired me to be more vocal than ever. Like I said, I was wrecked at first, but I'm also part of this Facebook group called Ending a Wanted Pregnancy. There are over 2,000 members, and they've all had to make the same painful decision. I finally got up the courage to write a post in that Facebook group asking them for help, I held my breath and I pressed send, terrified that they would judge me the way that this woman had. And suddenly, over a hundred comments of support came flooding in. These people understood what I'd been through, and that troll who bashed me online didn't. She'd never been faced with such a difficult decision. I wept with relief. That is the kind of compassionate and understanding world we should all be living in which is why I feel like it's important for me to continue to talk about my experience in hopes that it will help even just one person feel safer, supported, and less alone. So rate, review, and share if you can. Okay, so do I have any updates? 
Kinda, I guess. I got my iron infusion the other day. It might have helped with my energy a tiny bit. I don't know. I've got another one on Friday. We'll see. And I'm still waiting on test results, genetic testing from the amnio. It got caught up in insurance. I don't remember if I said this last week, but anyway, it's in the works now. And hopefully I'll have some answers at some point. And that's kind of it. So now we're going to talk about boobs. Now, last week when I recorded this interview, I was so excited to bring you an episode where I'm happy and not crying the whole time. But of course, because of that nasty review, I'm now nervous that you're going to think because I'm happy, I'm not sad enough. Well, I know that's silly, but for the record, I have happy moments and I have very sad moments and my happiness doesn't take away from the love I feel for my daughter and the very deep grief I feel in losing her. So... I'm happy to bring you this happy moment. Her name is Jillian Carter. She's an IBCLC, and you'll find out what that means, but she's one of the co-founders of Milk Matters Lactation Consulting, and she helped me through trying to stop my lactation and trying to get it back going. Here she is. So Jillian, hi. Hi. (laughs) Hi. Have you ever been on a podcast before? Never. No. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did I contact you when I had already decided to do it or before when I was still trying to stop the lactation? You were trying to stop the lactation when we first talked. Wow. Wow. And then you reached out to me again. Yeah. When I, yeah, and it was just like, it wasn't an Change epiphany. Yeah. It was yeah. just like. Oh, I didn't realize this was a possibility. I mean, I knew I could do it, but I didn't think it was logistical. Is that, a, is that the right word? <laughs> Reasonable? Um, I didn't think it was possible logistically. Yeah. Logistical is a word. Because <laughs> right. I didn't have a pump, a working pump at the time, and yeah. I didn't think, I didn't know. I didn't know if my milk would be um, desirable. <laughs> <laughs> but I you learned how valuable it was. Yeah, I, got, I was yeah, excited by that. And also, I think one of the key things that I realized was that I might not be able to do this again. Who knows? I mean, depending on what I decide to do, that I've always wanted to breastfeed and this might be my only chance to get close to that. So um, so you were there and yep. uh, I reached out. My mom and I ran to the store before a blizzard and... Um, Right, the snow was coming. Snow right. was we had coming. This crazy storm that was like arriving <laughs> yeah. any minute. Yeah, <laughs> and we you got like fifteen inches. Saying, like, we just got something from the the pharmacy. We got yeah. a pump, and I said, "Okay, what is it?" <laughs> right? Yeah, and you said that's yeah. a great pump, and I said, "Oh, good." I had no idea, and you said uh, that you could walk me through how to yeah. use the pump, and off we went. And yesterday or two days ago, I delivered ten pounds of milk to. <gasps> You're yeah. <laughs> that's wonderful. Oh my God. I had no idea that you were doing that well. That's incredible. That's I mean, I think I didn't, they didn't weigh it for me and I'm not doing oh, the app on. because yeah, I'm, no. <laughs> but it was about that much. We put it on the scale and it was about 10 pounds. <laughs> I'm thrilled. Yeah. I'm thrilled. Yeah. yeah. And something that I think is important to remember too, is that the babies that that milk is going to are babies that are taking like five milliliters per yeah. feet. You know, these aren't babies that are chugging down a, a four ounce bottle of milk. You know, well, the what's baby. A, how much is a milliliter? Like a teaspoon? So five, five milliliters is one teaspoon. Oh, okay. Ugh. So if you give them a teaspoon of milk, you just gave a baby a full feed. Oh my for gosh. In the Q babies. So wow. the, the babies that that milk is most valuable for need very small amounts when they're so small that they are just starting to take some food. Wow. So any volume that you can give them is worth more than it even looks like at first glance when when what your mind is thinking is in the context of a full-term baby and how much milk they would drink. Wow. Yeah. Well, first of all, Jillian, you're a lactation consultant. What does that even mean? Right. So I am an IBCLC, an international board-certified lactation consultant. Okay. There are different credentials for different types of lactation helpers, but the IBCLC credential is generally considered the highest level of professional lactation care. Wow. There are other lactation supporters that that can help in in various roles and can help moms with breastfeeding, 
but generally somebody who's looking for help with especially a more complex issue um, should really be looking for an IBCLC. The IBCLC credential is an international credential, so that's just something that's kind of cool about it is that I can go anywhere in the world and still be an IBCLC. I'm also an RN, but you know, you are. Being an, yeah, so being an RN in the US doesn't mean that I'm an RN anywhere else, so it's, sure. you know, that um, that's something unique about the IBCLC credential. How long does it take to get that credential? There's a few different paths, and because it's an international credential, that it's the same credential for everybody in the world. There are a few different ways to get there. But I worked as a postpartum nurse for four years to build my hours, took some coursework, took some specialized training classes specific to lactation. You have to have a thousand hours of clinical experience helping women specifically with lactation. Good and Lord, then- I really lucked out finding you. <laughs> what the hell? And then you sit for boards. So you got to take your boards in the end of that. Um, you take an exam. Wow. Wow. So for a lot of folks, it takes, you know, maybe five years, you know, or so, um, <laughs> of some schooling. But, you know, a lot of it is the biggest thing generally is the clinical hours, getting enough clinical hours in. But then afterwards, are you supposed to just go out and start your own lactation business? Or are there like, does it have a structure oh. where you could be hired or? So what I did for my first four years as a lactation consultant was I worked at Albany Medical Center as a lactation consultant there. And that's where I think it's fair to say most lactation consultants work in the setting of a hospital. Gotcha. Case of Albany Medical Center, they're a large hospital with uh, about 2,000 births per year. So we're handling those. But then they also have a 50-bed or so NICU. Oh, my goodness. So um, so that was... a lot of babies in the NICU. (laughs) 50 beds. Oh, my God. But it's so cool to be able to (sighs) have that breadth of of experience to be able to help full-term babies, to be able to work with families with babies in the NICU. They also have a peds department. So sometimes there would be, I'd be consulted for a nine-month-old, you know, who's um, got something going on. So a lot of different things. Wow. Well, so let's just say you're qualified. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) You're qualified to to help me and to be on my podcast. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Wow. So tell us about your, your business, Milk Matters New York. Yeah, so Milk Matters Lactation is um, a business that I started with my dear friend and now co-owner of the business, Randy Shapiro. And Randy and I worked together in our like previous two jobs. Um, so we worked together a couple jobs ago, and then she was my boss at Albany Med for a while, and then we launched Milk Matters together in 2019, in the summer of 2019. Awesome. In this area, we're up in the capital region in the Albany area, and there just was not enough support for moms. We were both at Albany Med at the time and sending families home from the hospital without really a lot to offer them for referrals to somebody that could help them at home. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they may be heading out of the hospital and there's concerns that are not yet resolved for them, but there wasn't a whole lot that we could give them for guidance about how they could follow up with somebody. Sure. And so we decided to start our own. So we, we got started and we're doing in-home visits, of course, um, oh, in, our no. first, in our first year starting a new business with mm. in-home consults. There's this thing called coronavirus that yeah. showed up. Maybe you've heard of it. So <laughs> it, um, it threw things for a loop a little bit, but we've just shifted to virtual consults when we've needed to. We've continued to do some in-home consults, but doing our best to keep everybody safe. And so far we've been intentionally very safe as much as we possibly could and somewhere between good luck and our us doing our best to keep everyone safe we've managed to make it to this point without any exposures or um you know transmissions of covid so yeah hopefully we can keep going with that yeah and randy covers the metro area is that what it's called so, (laughs) so we have um So Randy is also up here in New York with me or up in Albany with me. She is not doing consults right now. She's an owner of the business, but she Mm -hmm. doesn't do the consults. We added on in 2020, we added on um, a another lactation consultant to our team named Rachel, and Uh she's down in the New York City area. Gotcha. 
Okay, so let's start with my boob journey. Yeah, yeah um, let's talk about your boobs. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have other questions about boobs in general. <laughs> yeah, great. Well, so, okay, for me, let's start where it began, which was my boobs getting engorged and painful after the procedure. I guess what happens, do you know what happens in the brain or in the body that causes your, causes that to happen after you deliver? Yeah. Throughout your pregnancy and actually breast development starts all the way when you yourself are in your mother's womb. Okay. So your breasts start to do some development when you're a little fetus yourself. And it doesn't do a whole lot of development in those, um, early years, but then you yeah. hit puberty and your breasts develop a whole lot more, right? Not in my case. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to grow giant to, to do a lot of good development work. <laughs> your breasts are developing through puberty and every time you, every time you get your period as your breasts are sore during your period or before your period, your breasts are doing some development then. Mm. And then when you get pregnant, that's when your breasts go through this other big step of development. So um, most women notice that at the beginning of their pregnancy, their breasts are tender and they're, uh, they grow in size and there are some other changes that happen. All of that is your body just getting ready to make some milk. Mm-hmm. And usually milk making usually starts right around 24 or 25 weeks. Mm. So when a, mo- when a mother has a loss prior to that, gestational age, she may not have that experience of her milk coming, what we call coming in, right? Mm -hmm. So a mom that has a loss at 18 weeks may or may not experience any changes in her breasts after that delivery. But around that 24, 25 week point, your breasts will start to create um, colostrum. So colostrum is that early milk. It's thick and it's sticky and it's yellow and we call it liquid gold. Mm -hmm. And your breasts will have that colostrum just kind of sitting there until you deliver. Your body's like continually producing it, but it's like a small amount and it's just kind of hanging out there waiting. Oh, interesting. That's why when you experience your loss, a few days later, what will happen for just about everybody is usually right about three days after the delivery, um, your breasts will fill with milk. So they've been producing that colostrum and that colostrum is still hanging out there through those first few days. Mm. You can sometimes use your hand to squeeze out some drops of it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the pump will collect it, but sometimes the pump is not going to do much to get that milk out because the colostrum is so thick and sticky that it's like Uh tougher for the pump to get it out. Okay, wait, hold on, pause. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. When, if if there had been a baby for any norm, for a normal uh, birth, can, does colostrum come that day if the baby's there? Right. So the baby can latch on, you know, within that first hour and uh-huh. there's milk already there. Okay. It's colostrum. It's colostrum milk. It's the early milk, but colostrum is one type of milk. Okay. So you're only going to have colostrum for a few days and then, then, then the milk comes in. Yeah. The colostrum is not really like a static amount though. It's not like you have colostrum and then the baby uses it up in a few days. Uh-huh. It's really more that your body's producing colostrum. It'll re- continue to produce it as... Uh-huh. It gets used. So if the baby breastfeeds soon after they're born and the colostrum is eaten, then your body will make more of the colostrum. Okay. Okay. But around three days, it, your body shifts in the type of milk that it's making. So it has been making that colostrum and then it just kind of changes up its recipe mm-hmm. to switch to something with lower salt content, I think higher, you know, much higher water volume in it. Uh-huh. And that's where you experience the fullness in your breasts is that your little bit of colostrum has now become a lot of of much higher volume of (laughs) mature milk. Yeah. So it kind of jumps up rather suddenly and it's a stretch, you know, your breasts are like suddenly super full like they've never been before. It was overnight. I mean, I felt some lumps in my boobs on a, I mean, my procedure was Friday night and then I felt some lumps in my boobs on Sunday night and I was like, Oh, I shouldn't worry that this is breast cancer. It's probably just swole. My glands are thinking about whatever. I woke up in the morning and my boobs were like gorgeous <laughs> and very pain- painful. Yeah. And it just it got worse. Um, so 
underneath that the skin here. What what yeah. what do we have? I mean, I've seen a picture that it looks like um like grapes, not grapes, but yeah, no grapes is often what I used to describe it. Okay, cool. So if you think of a bunch of grapes and you flip it upside down, right? So that the stem is you know the thickest part of the stem is at the bottom, right? Uh huh. Yes. And all those grapes are kind of what we call milk ducts. Mm-hmm. So there's like these little balls of milk inside of your breast. Um, mm-hmm. It's cells that are specialized to make, to produce breast milk, but it's like all these small little compartments. And then all those compartments come together in the same way that like the stems would come off of each individual grape. And then they kind of uh, merge, merge, I guess, into sure. bigger and bigger tunnels, right? And then at the right, tip so of it's your kind nipple, of like a reverse tree. <laughs> yes, a reverse tree. Well, kind of. Yeah, well, I don't I'm know. just thinking about the branches and the branches coming. Yeah, sure, but yeah. I'm I guess upside down. I don't know. Right, but like the roots would be upside down, but then the top would be. So it all comes together, and then it comes out at you know the nipple. But there's not just one hole in the nipple. There's a bunch of holes. In and the tip do of we the know water. how many? I don't know. Twenty. I don't sure. know. It varies, but there's... And then what are these... I remember before reading about Montgomery glands or Montgomery's yeah. something. Yep. What's that? Montgomery glands are um, just these little glands around the... They look like little bumps, and sometimes moms think that they're like pimples or something mm-hmm. like that, but they're just like these little bumps that secrete a fluid that is not actually milk. It's something else. It is something else something and i can cut away to I, something you can cut away to and figure out Great. what this stuff is. montgomery glands are sebaceous glands that means they produce oil i can't find anything that says exactly what's in this oil but it is to lubricate and protect the nip as for the number of holes in the tip of the nipple like we were just talking about I saw numbers ranging from 5 to 20, um, so the internet is not very helpful. Oh, but they did give it a name, milk duct orifices, so that's helpful. You know, it has this secretion that is intended to attract the baby to the nipple. Oh, that's right. I remember now. The baby smells that. And and that's around the, it's around the areola. So around the areola is that dark part of the breast that we call the areola, or the dark, around the nipple is the dark part called the areola. And then the nipple itself is not considered the areola. It's the areola and then the nipple. Like I always thought the whole thing was the nipple. The technicality there is just that the part that's protruding is more defined as the nipple, whereas the darker part around it we call the areola. And so the milk only comes out of the nipple, not the areola. Um, generally, unless you, you know, maybe if you had a nipple piercing and so you have, um, holes left in the side (laughs) of your nipple or in the areola there. Oh my God. Totally. You could totally like bust one of those branches. Right. You just kind of like popped a hole in the side of (laughs) one of those ducks and now we've got a a leak sometimes, but we can work around it. Just the baby has to make sure that they're covering that. You know, you got to make sure your baby's covering that space too when they're nursing Yeah. or, or, you know, when you're pumping, make sure that you're covered the hole. Yeah. Okay. So what are some things people could do to stop milk production? So for a lot of moms, it's going to go as a slow, gradual process that they don't need to necessarily be too intentional about. Mm. So if it's a mom who intended to breastfeed her baby through the first year, they get to the end of that first year and she feels like she's ready to start weaning. It's not necessarily something that she has to plan for and uh, work on. It may Mm. simply be, okay, the baby was feeding six times a day, and now they're feeding, uh, you know, they're taking more solids, they're more content, um, and they start to drop some of their feeds to the point that they're doing two feeds a day. And so they just do one when they wake up, they do one at bedtime, and now they're good with that. And Months go by and then you find that you just can skip one of those feeds and then skip another feed or the baby decides that they're not interested in latching anymore. So for a lot of families, they just kind of it just kind of ends up happening without Mm. necessarily needing to do anything about it. But if you're not expressing that much milk, your brain is given the message that it doesn't need to make as much, right? Exactly. So your body will continue to make milk when you've removed milk. So if, so long as the milk is staying in, you're getting that message that you want less milk. Yeah. So anytime that your breasts are being allowed to remain full, 
then your body's getting the message that it should make less milk tomorrow. Cool. So for bums that are intentionally trying to reduce their supply faster than would just kind of naturally happen if they just slowly reduce pumping or reduce breastfeeding, the focus is really just on avoiding the milk coming out, right? Mm -hmm. So avoiding pumping, avoiding breastfeeding, and avoiding the breast even leaking, if you can help that. So that would mean things like in the shower, the warm water running over your breast can sometimes cause them to leak when they're very full. So avoiding letting the warm water run over your breast can help to keep the milk in so mm -hmm. that it sends your body the message that you don't need all that milk. Mm -hmm. And then besides the keeping the milk in, your other strategies are primarily just for comfort. Oh. So then it's like uh, using ibuprofen so long as it's safe for the mom to use ibuprofen for you know, in general, if she doesn't have an allergy to ibuprofen or a reason why she can't take it, using ibuprofen is a pain reliever, but it's also an anti-inflammatory. Mm. So some of that discomfort is kind of an inflammation mm -hmm. of the breast being overly full and it gets a little bit, um, you know, that's part of the discomfort. Mm -hmm. So ibuprofen, ice packs would help with, again, handling some of that um, inflammation. And so the ice packs aren't helping the brain or the helping to tell the body stop making milk? They are to some degree, but primarily it's for comfort. Okay. But yeah, ice packs we use for a few things and, and something to watch out for when a mom is not trying to reduce her supply, but just has um, engorgement, but is intending to continue breastfeeding, but is, is temporarily uh. engorged. We'll have her sometimes use ice packs, but we have her do it carefully because it can reduce her supply. Um, so the ice packs are, are multi-purpose. They're okay. helping with inflammation. They're helping with pain. And they are helping a little bit with reduction of supply. Yeah. Okay. And cabbage leaves, is that old wives or? I mean, it's, it's not completely an old wives tale. It's something that doesn't have a lot of research behind it. So it's mm. not something that we generally, that I generally recommend. I also just feel like it's not, I don't know that it's any more effective <laughs> than a pack of cold peas or, right. a, you know, cold compress. And I don't know how convenient it is for, like, if you, do you really have cabbage leaves laying around? And if you do, then no. sure, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I'll say that, first of all, I bought like three cabbages. And then you put a cold cabbage in there and it's hot within five minutes. Yeah. It, yeah. Once it touches your skin, it's like... It's not cold anymore. I don't know what the point is. And then somebody said to just put a new one in every 20 minutes. So like all day? Right. <laughs> it's a lot of cabins. So I was doing ice packs, I mean, uh, yep. cold, uh, frozen peas and corn. Yep. Which I think we've since had for dinner. My mom put in a tuna casserole. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Okay, the cabbage. And then there's debate over binding. Right. So binding is where traditionally women would wrap their breasts very tightly. That they, you know, my grandmother, who actually is turning 98 years old tomorrow. Oh, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah. She talks about how she recalls helping a family member bind her breasts after, you know, because she had intended to formula feed. And so the, they were binding her breasts. This was just kind of a routine thing to do at the time that everybody you know, it was very common to formula feed and it was very common then to bind your breasts to reduce your supply. Yeah. And they would just wrap so, so tightly around the breasts to put pressure against the breasts intending to hold back the milk. And it is to some degree effective that that pressure against the breasts, you know, we talked about how your brain will sense that your breasts are full and that's mm. what kind of gets that message across that you... Mm should not make as much milk tomorrow because your breasts are too full. Mm -hmm. So if you're wearing a, a good supportive bra or if you were to bind your breasts, it creates that pressure that can help your body to know not to make so much milk. Mm -hmm. 
The downside with binding is that there can be complications with it. If you are wrapping too tightly, it does increase the likelihood that you can get a plug duct, which is an area of your breast that has milk in it and the milk can't get anywhere. And it's, it, it then can sometimes lead to an infection, which is called mastitis. So we want to avoid those things. And binding, I believe we've given up on binding for the most part because of those complications. Wow. But we do usually recommend a good supportive bra because it, it's just more comfortable as your breasts are full for them to not yeah. be hanging, but rather yeah. that they be supported. Well, I will say my midwife told me two sports bras, keep it tight. Don't touch your boobs. Don't stimulate yeah. them at all. But I did go and see her the next day after or yeah, on the third day of engorgement. I went to see her because I was scared and I wanted to. Did you tell me that I should go in? No, somebody else did. When you and I talked, you had an appointment scheduled with her for the next day. And I said, okay, great. Then you'll see her anyway. Then we'll do a quick phone call. Instead. Yeah, because yeah. I wanted her to check them out and tell me, you know, yeah. is this safe? <laughs> right. <laughs> do I need to express some milk? Because these things are rock hard. Right. Okay. So there are a couple other things that you probably don't recommend because there's not medical, um, what is it? Research. There's no research, research. on these things. Yeah. But I did read that huge amounts of parsley are good right. for some reason. And sure. something about sage, I think, maybe yep. sage tincture. Sage is um, better known as than the parsley, I think, even. Okay. The truth is that there's so many right ways to do so many of these things. Yeah. Well, right. I was doing all of them. Yeah, <laughs> and you can- if, if you want to throw everything at it, you can. Oh, yeah. But if you had done none of those things, it probably would have taken a little bit longer. Yeah. To, you know, it would, you know, if you had been continuing to try to reduce your supply yeah. without doing any of those things, it still just would have gone away. You yeah. know, it, it just would have taken a little bit longer. Yeah. So, yeah. So, sure. For some moms, it feels good to have something to do, to be actively working a plan. Sometimes that is uh, very helpful for them, especially after a loss or yeah. or if they're in the process of weaning for any reason, they just are trying to reduce their supply. Sometimes having a very specific plan is what works well for them. Yeah. For other moms, they're like, whatever, I'll figure it out as I go. Yeah. And sometimes that works perfectly fine. Yeah. Well, I was having some delicious parsley smoothies. They were, yeah. I'm not kidding. They were absolutely delicious. Everyone should were they try. Actually? Yeah. <laughs> My, I turned my parents on to smoothies. <laughs> I bought tons of parsley and tons of cabbage. And um, yeah. there's also a tea, no more milk tea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just saying these all, all these things in case there's a listener that cares. Oh, and I was also told by a bunch of listeners who emailed my mom. <laughs> I told people <laughs> yeah. not to message me directly because I wasn't – I didn't um, – yes. Anyway, they yeah. emailed my mom and said that Benadryl and Sudafed can help as well. Right. Not together, but... <laughs> right, yes. So um, both Benadryl and Sudafed tend to have a side effect of reducing milk supply. They're just drying things up, yeah. right? So yeah, you yeah, can yeah. think of any antihistamine as kind of drying things up. Yeah. And so in the same way that it's going to dry up your nasal passages so that you don't feel so bad when you have a head cold, it yeah. can um, reduce your milk supply as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so now let's talk about making that milk come back. <laughs> right. <laughs> When I, I had uh, had a shift in my thinking and decided to start donating, but by that time I'd already been trying to suppress the milk for two for forty eight hours. So I think my brain had gotten the message a little bit because the because once I did start pumping, I had a good first pump, and then every pump after that got smaller and smaller and smaller and yeah. smaller for a couple of days. Then, I, because of your consultation uh, and continuing to do what you had instructed me to do, things started to come back. So, so what would you say in general to any woman who's given birth or in this scenario wants their milk to come in? Let's talk about that and how to make that happen. Yeah. Uh, in your case, you were kind of starting in a place where you had been suppressing your milk supply and we wanted to stop suppressing your milk supply. So the first thing to do is simply to stop doing the things that were suppressing your milk supply. So yeah. wanted to make sure that you're not continuing the ice packs and those kinds of things. And then the biggest thing is frequency with which you empty your breasts. Okay. Mm-hmm. So whether it's with breastfeeding or with pumping or um, with hand expression, where you're using your hand to get out that milk, 
you want to be getting your breasts empty as frequently as possible. Mm. Okay. So that's where for you, we had talked about a plan to pump eight times a day, about every three hours. And that's, that's usually the advice you're going to see from most lactation consultants as kind of a starting point. There are moms that will need to pump more frequently than that. And, um, to get it going. Yep. Um, and once milk supply is well established for a lot of moms, they can pull back to six or seven pumping sessions a day or breastfeeds a day, um, and still maintain a supply. Mm -hmm. But eight is usually the, the kind of number to start with. Hmm. And that's really the biggest thing. There are other things, and we can talk about what else you can do to increase milk supply, but nothing really replaces how frequently you empty your breasts. So I mentioned that I worked in a major medical center that had a large NICU, and I worked with moms all the time. And it is so hard for those moms that have a baby in the NICU. They're trying to spend as much time as possible in the NICU setting. Maybe they have another child at home that they're also trying to care oh for. Oh, my God. And they're trying to fit in eight pumping sessions a day. Mm-mm. Maybe they're even driving an hour back and forth from home every day. It's a lot. So those moms, understandably, were often struggling to fit in those eight pumping sessions in oh a day. God. And so I got the question all the time of, okay, look, I've only been able to fit in five pumping sessions a day. I'm not able to get enough milk to cover what my baby needs. And what else can I do? You know, Mm -hmm. is there something else that I can do? And I offer them everything that I have. But what the biggest thing is that's going to make the biggest difference for them is if they can do anything to fit in those extra pumping sessions. Okay. Much more about how frequently you pump than anything else. And that's just training training your brain. I mean, you're emptying the ducks and then they they need to refill that's one thing because it knows when it's empty it got it has to refill but but is there something that's also training your brain about the timing well it's really about not allowing your breast to remain full for any period of time ah so if you think about okay if i'm going to try to get in my eight pumping sessions a day by pumping every hour for eight hours mm-hmm. and then i'm going to let myself right stay full for the whole rest of the time, that whole time, like anything past three, four or five hours, depending on where you're at, all that time, your body is getting the message, you know, your breasts are still full. I must have too much milk. Gotcha. So anytime that your breasts are, are remaining full and not quickly getting emptied, your brain's getting the message that you don't need that milk. I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. So yeah, I guess you had told me eight times but I think you gave me, did you say that I could have a break at night? Um, you talked to the the milk bank folks and they had set a break and I said, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So I do, I was doing seven times a day with a six hour break at night. Yeah. About four or five days ago, I moved it to six times a day. I mean, yep. I know I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm, I don't feel bad about that. I'm like looking no. at you like, oh, I'm such a bad girl. No, no, no. You are a rock star. <laughs> but I do way. get a, like a great satisfaction when there's like a, a good, a good amount there. And so yeah. it makes me want to do it more so that I can get, go back to seven, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not gonna no, do it. no, no. If six is working for you, then stick with six. That's fine. Do you think it can stay steady at si- with the six for a little while or, or do you think it'll um, start getting smaller and smaller? I think you may stay steady with six. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's just, it's to be seen really. Yeah. Yeah. But they did some research. Um, there was some research that I heard about a little while ago that was talking about kind of the, the number of pumping sessions that moms need to maintain their supply is like on average is like 6.7 or something like that, right? So it's six or seven for, you know, for most moms, but some it is higher and some it is lower. Yeah. You'll absolutely hear about moms that are like, yep, I pumped twice a day and, you know, they exclusively pumped Mm -hmm. and they had all the milk that they needed for their babies because every time they pumped, they could get 12 or 15 ounces of milk out. That's unusual, but that happens. Wow. And you do have other moms that are pumping 12 times a day and struggling to get enough. So there's a wide range of what's possible. Yeah. So quickly, um, what are some other things people can do? The other two recommendations that I go to for just about every mom that I'm working with who wants to build supply are two different pumping techniques. One is called power pumping. 
Power pumping is where you set aside an hour once a day to do a power pumping session. It's 10 minutes with the pump on, 10 minutes off, 10 minutes on, 10 minutes off, 10 minutes on, and then you're done. So it actually takes 50 minutes because Uh it's 10 on, 10 off, 10 on, 10 off, 10 on. That's much more effective than if you were to pump for 50 minutes straight through. Oh, okay. Because your body essentially treats it like you just got in three pumping sessions. Okay. 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 Uh That's called power pumping. You'll hear slight variations. You'll find other variations on that. Um, Some people will recommend doing 20 minutes and then 10 off, 10 on, 10 off, 10 on. It doesn't really matter. The idea is just doing multiple brief pumping sessions. And that in addition to? In addition to all the regular pumping during the day. Well, that would that replace one pump session? Right. Okay. Yes. Okay. I'll often recommend that as a, um, in the evenings, you tuck the baby into bed or, uh, you know, and then sit down to watch TV. And, you know, you've got your hour long show that you can watch and you can do this through that show yeah. and it can just kind of be a mindless thing yeah. that maybe fits in at that time of the day. Yeah. So power pumping to replace one pumping session a day with that power pumping style of pumping can be helpful. Uh-huh. The other uh, one that I always recommend is uh, kind of a, a bunch of different techniques that we call hands-on pumping. So there's a video available from Stanford University called Maximizing Your Milk Supply. And that demonstrates some of these techniques, but it's essentially just using your hands to express additional milk out along with the pump. So you're massaging your breasts, compressing your breasts, squeezing your breasts to get out more milk while you're pumping. Mm -hmm. And when milk stops flowing during the pumping session, you take the pump off and do some hand expression to get things started again and then put the pump back on. So uh, (laughs) both of those, yeah. So both of those techniques the power pumping and the hands-on pumping can be really effective. They're both just like mechanical pumping strategies, mm-hmm. but they're very practical and very effective for most women. Okay. Yeah. Kind of, I feel like I'm being pretty lazy with my pumping. I just <laughs> sit there fantastic. texting. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing basically a 15 minutes of pumping, but bracketed by that 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 drip setting two minutes yeah. before and two minutes after and then a little bit of hand expression at the end. Does that even make sense? And what is that all about? <laughs> so that drip setting that you mentioned, yeah. different pumps ha- call it different things, but generally I like to call it the stimulation mode. Okay. Uh. So your pump may call it something specific. Letdown uh, mode? Massage mode. Well, sometimes some pumps call letdown mode the second oh, thing. Oh, okay. But Never not mind. the stimulation one, okay. the other one. Okay. Um, so it gets confusing with the terminology. But let's say that initial stimulation phase mm-hmm. of the pump. So most pumps have a way that you can do a faster, lighter suck uh-huh. for the first couple of minutes. And then it switches over to a different um, type of suction where it's mm-hmm. a little bit stronger suction that's at a little bit slower pace. Mm -hmm. That initial setting is usually called something like a stimulation mode or a massage mode. And it's intended to replicate the way that when a baby is breastfeeding, they start out with a type of suck that is intended to stimulate letdown. So the way that breastfeeding works is it is not that the baby or the pump is sucking milk out of the breast. That's Mm -hmm. often how we think of it, but that's not actually what's happening. What's actually happening is that the baby or the pump is sucking the nipple so that it stretches the nipple. The nipple stretching causes a release of oxytocin hormone throughout our bodies. The oxytocin... (laughs) Are we all keeping up here? So the oxytocin <laughs> causes, causes contraction of specific muscles in the body. Those muscles are located at the uterus, okay, causing the uterus to cramp down, contract, and cramp. And then also around those little pockets of milk, the grapes of milk in the breast. So when the nipple tugs causes oxytocin to release, the muscles around the grapes compress the grapes and squeeze the grapes so that the milk flows out. Oh my God. That is cool. 
That is so, so cool. So a pump is trying to create <sighs> that same series of a- events. Mm-hmm. And it all starts with tugging the nipple at a certain frequency and a certain, you know, later level of suction just to get the release of oxytocin. So cool. <laughs> just really, really, really cool. <laughs> Obviously, I can really like, you know, nerd out on this stuff. No, right? it's amazing. I love it. I mean, it feels like, I mean, I've had a lot of emotions about breast, I mean, pumping. Yeah. yeah. This whole time, you know, and just trying to make sure that it's good for me and my my mental health and whether it's a positive thing or a negative thing. And I don't remember where I was going with that thought. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember. <laughs> Along with the negative things, yeah. um, the, some one of the positive things is that I'm experiencing what feels like a little bit of a miracle. Like, I, it's so beautiful. Yeah, it's magic. It's just magic. Yeah. yeah. I want to hear more about, like, the pros and cons of what this experience oh, has sure. been for you. Oh, sure. Oh, thank you for asking. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's not for everybody. No, I mean, for me, it's, it, I've definitely, the, the, the pros are this experience that I get to have that I, I don't, like I said, don't know if I'll ever experience it again. That it, there's the, what appears to be a, the selfless act of, of helping to feed these yeah. preemie babies. But, you know, there's, you know, no true altruism. You know, it just makes me feel good too. But, um, but that's a great po- positive. Um, it also gives me routine. And I don't have much of that right now because I, I moved from Los Angeles. I don't have a steady job here. And not that I've ever had a steady job. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, this is, it's, it's good for that. It gives me time to be um, alone and um, just sit with my thoughts if I want to or look at my phone, respond to text messages that I've let pass by or emails. Um, read, journal, whatever. It's like self-care time for me. Or if I want to, I can go grab the whole contraption and watch TV with my parents. (laughs) 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 Um, Just make sure I've got a large shawl so my my father doesn't have to witness. Um, He wouldn't care. I get the impression your parents are really good sports. (laughs) Yes, they sure are. And, And it's also a connection to my pregnancy. And that's the part that I don't, I've, I've shifted back and forth between is this a good thing or a bad thing because I I don't want my pregnancy to be over. I don't want my connection to my baby to be gone. But this does feel in a good way that I get to have that for a little while. And my therapist said, well, maybe it's just a way to ease your your way out of the pregnancy rather than it being taken away from you overnight. And so it's nice in that way. But then the negative, or what could appear to be the negative aspect of it is that, girl, you got to let go kind of thing. <laughs> but, you know, right now I'm I'm okay with it. Yeah. And, and I don't know that you have to let go yet. You know, you said it's been about a month and take the time that you need. Yeah. Well, I think it also makes me, have, I have to sort of think about the future a little bit and I've been avoiding thinking about the future, but if I do want to try again, then I've got to stop pumping so that I ovulate or, you know, if, right. you know, but then I've got to go all the way back to California to get more eggs. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's a whole thing, but it, it does get there, get there when you get there, you know, it's loaded. The idea yeah. of, uh, when to stop. The other thing is it there, I went through a, uh, I don't know, a couple days or a week where I felt like it was a little bit masturbatory. Like I'm, okay. I felt a little like per- pervy doing uh-huh. it. Not that it was sexual, but in my mind, I was like, this is, I'm such a weirdo. I'm going up, oh, I'm going to go upstairs oh. and jerk off my nipples for 20 minutes. <laughs> I know it's a very crude way to oh put it, God. but like yeah, thoughts I was having. <laughs> yeah, I just, I think about everything a lot. So, yeah. There's just a yeah. lot of feelings in there. Yeah. But I'm at peace with why I'm doing it. And mm-hmm. and it was really dropping off the bag of milk and getting to see the freezers wow. full of wow. of the milk was amazing. There were about, I think, six long, you know, the kinds of freezers that you open up from the, from the top. Um, right. They were just full. While we were driving there, I thought, 
I don't want to say goodbye to this filk. (laughs) Again, it felt like I'm like losing a connection and losing evidence that my pregnancy and my baby existed. But it was really cool to to drop it off and and meet the owner and talk to her and very cool. Yeah. See all those freezers full and know that you're part of that yeah. and that your baby's part of that. This is a gift from you and from your baby. You yeah. Know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And they took, um, they wrote, I don't have a name for her yet, or okay. I don't know that I will, but they wrote yeah. a baby girl hockey on mm-hmm. a little butterfly and put it on this tree on their wall. And it's a wall full of um, basically babies who didn't make it, uh, just dedicated to them. And it was really beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So I had a couple questions that I just want to okay. make sure. I guess one of my fears when I started was, um, is is this going to change the shape of my breasts? <laughs> yeah. Do you right. you have any thoughts on that? Um. So many women will say that it that it does, and mm. yet there's not. You know, the research says no. That's what would have happened to your breasts in that period of time anyway. Oh, so interesting. Some of it is is yeah. So some women. Lots of women swear that like, well, you know, I, I breastfed three babies and then afterwards I, you know, my breasts were all flat and it's like, right. But also like 10 years passed. And so that's why your breasts are all flat. <laughs> yeah. If I could just say it that way, like that's, um, that's, that's my understanding of, yeah. of the reality of it is sometimes very commonly women will have the impression that their lactation experience is what changed the shape or perkiness or whatever of their breast, but in reality it seems that it's actually just about the passage of time. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but what about the nipple? Because ever since I started pumping, I mm-hmm. used to have yeah, flat nipples when or unless they were erect. But now they're basically erect all the time. Will right. they yep. be flat again? I wouldn't mind if they were more erect, honestly, because, <laughs> because uh, I like the shape better when... <laughs> That's yeah. TMI. So, um, you know, I know that, that you know, I'm, I'm just as a hypothetical, if you were to go on and to have another baby and have a breastfeeding experience with that baby, mm-hmm. having a more erect nipple is much is advantageous, mm-hmm. right? So um, a flatter nipple is a little bit harder for the baby to grasp onto when they're mm-hmm. breastfeeding. So a lot of moms experience that they sometimes had trouble with breastfeeding a baby initially because, uh, you know, like their first baby because their nipples were fairly flat. But then they found that for their second baby, kind of the first time around, if they had pumped for a period of time or used a device called a nipple shield, Mm -hmm. you know, one of those things that actually ended up resulting in their nipples being a little bit more drawn out Mm -hmm. the second time around. So you may find that this pumping experience now does change the shape of your nipple going forward. I'm into it. Yeah, it sounds like it's a a positive change. (laughs) Um, Your nipples will, you know, I talked about like most women experience at the beginning of their pregnancy, uh, increase in growth Mm -hmm. and some other changes that I just kind of like threw out there, right? So those other changes are a darkening of the nipple and the areola, an elongation of the nipple, and sometimes also an increase in diameter of the nipple. So the nipple itself grows in pregnancy often. And uh, so some of those changes will go away. Mm-hmm. Like some of that, your your areola will reduce in size, most likely the, the darkening will go back to your normal coloring and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let me just see what I yeah. have in here. Oh, um, somebody had written again to my mom. Thank you yeah. for your, <laughs> also lovely for respecting that boundary of mine during that period, everyone. Thank you so much. Um, somebody had... Um, sent an article, I think, to my mom about, um, you know, if Molly does choose to adopt down the road, that you can stimulate the nipple and, and, or, or bring on, induce, um, oh my God, get a sentence out. (laughs) You can induce lactation. That's the term that you're looking for. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Is, I didn't know that that was possible and. It is. Yeah. So that's actually, it's interesting that you bring it up because I was just um, emailing with a, a, the last couple of days who is um, asking oh. about exactly this, that wow. she's planning on adopting a newborn and wants to know about what her options are related to feeding the baby. Yeah. So there are options and that could be a whole nother conversation. Yeah. But the, the truth of it is the biggest piece that's relevant to your situation and I hope is answering the, this question is that yes, you can induce lactation 
for an adoptive mother may choose to induce lactation, even if she's never lactated before, it's going to be much more much, much easier for her if she has lactated before. Mm, okay. okay. So an adoptive parent who never was, had any pregnancies in the past, it's still very possible, but it does take quite a bit of work and it, it can be very challenging and the results uh, vary tremendously. It's a big step in the right direction. Mm. If, if a woman is looking to build a milk supply without delivering a baby right now here in this moment, but she has a history of having delivered a baby in the past mm -hmm. so or carrying a pregnancy at least to that 24, 25 week mark. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah. So that's a big, um, a big help. So yes, you're, I mean, starting. I haven't read the article yeah. yet because my mom literally just sent it to me because she heard I was yeah. talking to you, Yeah. but she said something about they, they just have to start pumping about a month in advance or something like that. Well, not just, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but is that what it about correct? That's, uh, Often we'll start sooner than that. And depending on kind of the specifics of the story, we may often we'll want to start as soon as possible. In wow. Reality. But sometimes there's additional steps that we'll do. There's actually um, a protocol put out by Dr. Jack Newman and someone else whose name I'll come up with for you later. You can do your little like jump in <laughs> thing and, and add the correction. It's the Newman Goldfarb protocol for inducing lactation. They have a protocol uh, that involves basically doing what you can to kind of mimic pregnancy for your body as well. So mm. the adoptive parent would actually take birth control pills initially oh. to kind of convince their body hormonally that they're pregnant and then abruptly stop the birth control pills and shift to some other supplements and medications that can help to induce oh pregnancy. It's, it's fascinating stuff. And um, some women have had some great success with it. Wow. What about um, societal judgment? <laughs> I guess I'm just wondering, like, would people look at you and say, oh, she adopted that baby, but she's breastfeeding. What a weirdo. Um, I don't think so. I would. I think that sounds amazing. But I just wonder what the world would I'm a lactation consultant. So, know. you know, my bias absolutely says like, no, everybody yeah. loves it. You know, yeah. everybody in my community thinks it's going to be, it's the best thing ever. Yeah. yeah. But you know, the thought crossed your mind and I'm sure it, there are plenty of other people that would have that thought as well. Oh. So I don't know. <laughs> no. Do you think, um, um, is 15 minutes enough that I'm doing? Oh, for pumping? Yeah. Cause I, I wouldn't would... mind if it was five more minutes or. Yeah. My usual recommendation is 20 minutes. It's then does that include the stimulation moment? Yeah. Stimulation mode, like altogether for 20 minutes of, you know, usually two minutes of the stimulation and then the rest of it being in the letdown mode. Yeah. Okay. Different women find different things work. So it, it varies. Well, sometimes I forget and I'm like, oh no, I did it for too long. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> if the, is the milk still flowing at 15 minutes? I don't know. I, have, I don't pay attention anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's, that's relevant to check for. Yeah, you know? okay. If it's still going at 15 minutes, you do definitely want to do 20. If it's oh, okay. done at 15 minutes, eh, you know. Gosh, there's just too much because now I just realized we didn't talk about any nipple pain and what the daggers are all about. But <laughs> I we guess we'll talk about nipple pain. No. I talk about nipple pain too much. Okay. But, but that exists. All right. Oh, well, thank you so much. This is so, so fascinating. Well, I am so glad that we got to talk today. This was good. good. <sighs> me really too. Good. And thank you for all the help that you gave me. Listeners, if you want to find Jillian, Jillian, where yeah. can we find you? www.milkmattersny.com. Milk Matters Lactation. Do you have any social media that I can tag? Oh, sure. At Milk Matters NY is the um, is where we are just about everywhere. Okay, cool. All Thanks right. Well. Thank you so much. I hope I talk to you again soon. Yeah. Bye. 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 Take care. Jillian, thank you again for helping me in my time of need and for doing this podcast. Now, everybody, I need to get going because I just started to feel the daggers in my nipples, which means it's time to go pump. So you all know what to do. Like I said earlier, if you want to help support the podcast, you can join the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash spermcast or send money via Venmo to Molly hyphen hockey. And just as importantly, help me grow this show by sharing, rating, and reviewing. If you want to reach me, email me at spermcast at gmail.com. Leave me a voicemail or text me at 323-741-1818 or follow me on all the social media at spermcast. That's it for today. 
I love you all so much, and I'll talk to you in a week. Bye. He could be bald and bearded, shorter or tall. Funny, smart, love basketball. From gay to straight, black to white. Tiny eyes with an underbite. I just need sperm. Sperm cast. An Erios production. Powered by Acast. 